Hello, you are listening to Let's Talk Trees, a podcast brought to you by Sephora Craft with me, Anggi Cahyaningtias. Today, we are going to discuss about Guyana's experience in protecting their forest. 85% of its biodiverse rainforests are intact, and the country in the northeast of Latin America is one of the early implementers of REDD+, or reducing emission from deforestation and forest degradation. So, to explore more about this, joining us today is Han Sukdeo, Project Officer at Guyana Forestry Commission. Hi, Hans. Hello. Good day. I um, work with the Guyana Forestry Commission, and I've been part of the commission for just over 12 years. And my work centers mostly around the country's Red Plus activities, mainly the, the measurement, verification, and reporting system. Thank you, Hans. Very happy to have you here. Guyana's feet in protecting and monitoring their forests are also closely related to the magic of the technology. To explore more about this aspect, joining us from the Netherlands is Martin Harold, Senior Associate at c 4 Martin is also a professor of Geoinformation Science and Remote Sensing at Wageningen University, Netherlands. Hi, Martin. Welcome to our podcast. Hello. Thank you for the invitation. Happy to be here for the pod- podcast. I'm an academic. We're doing uh, research um, on all kinds of uh, earth observation and forest monitoring uh, problems. Uh, and we particularly enjoy the work with uh, some of our colleagues and friends in the developing country world, including Guyana. We have a long-standing partnership with the uh, Guyana Guyanese partners and also the Guyana Forestry Commission. And I think part of that fruitful uh, collaboration we'll hear about today in the podcast. Thank you so much. So I'll go to my first question now. Uh, Hans, first of all, I'm pretty sure our audience also wants to know how Guyana Forest looks like and what's the importance. Can you please let us know? So Guyana Forest is a typical rainforest that comprises of multi-story canopy uh, of mostly dense forests. However, they're not so very large in terms of their diameter because it's a slow-growing forest. As a result of it being a slow-growing forest, the natural forest characteristics for most of our species are very dense. Guyana Forest has a lot of inland water bodies, which also contribute to it having um, very rich biodiversity for both aquatic animals as well as those on land. As a result of these large inland bodies and large rivers that we have here, um, the country got its name as the land of many water, which is what Guyana, an indigenous word, literally translates to. So as it relates to the forest itself and um, the unlimited supply of fresh water that we have, we've had a lot of flourishing flora and fauna. And because of our natural forest formation and the beautiful sites that we've had across the country, Guyana has been named in 2019 as the world's best destination for ecotourism by the Caribbean Tourism Organization. But back to the forest and its composition, we also have a large number of those species that are of commercial value. As a result, logging has been uh, one of the major drivers for degradation in Guyana because since the Forestry Commission has been established in 1949, 
sustainable forest management has been always abided by even before the concept has been put on paper because we have not been engaged in any secondary forest or replantation forest. So far, all of our commercial activities of logging has been conducted in primary forest. So in order to not having to reforest or replant any of the areas, sustainable forest management has been the activity that we've been implemented. Good to know about it. So being one of the countries that can maintain the deforestation rate very low, only around 0.07%, this is far less than many other tropical countries. Would you share how does Guyana accomplish such a feat? And um, is it related to the fact that Guyana is one of the early implementer of Red Plus? The answer to that is it's not very simple. It's twofold, more or less. One is we have to keep it low because of our international commitment. And two, we have put systems in place that ensures that it remains low. So, um, in 2009, Guyana had done an evaluation of its forest using the McKenzie Group. And what they found was that the value of the sand and forest in, in 2009 was approximately 580 million US dollars per year. At the same time, Red Plus was now hitting the agenda on the COP. So Guyana decided that its intention in order to combat climate change was to create a model to demonstrate to the world that Diana and an extension to the world can earn by keeping their forests standing rather than by harvesting them. So that intention resulted in Diana and the Kingdom of Norway signing an agreement for five years. That agreement um, stated that if Guyana can keep its forest, its deforestation rate at a minimum and an agreed value, which at the time was 0.07%, then the country will benefit in payments annually for five years, of which will accumulate to 250 million US dollars. So following up on that agreement, Guyana drafted its national measurement, verification, and reporting system. The MRV system that was drafted for Guyana intentionally was designed to, to facilitate reporting for this agreement. However, Guyana quickly realized that the information generated from the MRV can be used for multiple purposes. It does not only satisfy the agreement with Norway, but it also satisfy data collection and processing for other projects such as Guyana's reporting to its international commitment under the UNFCCC. Also, the information from the MRV is being used to inform Guyana's decision on what it will propose as its national determined contribution. Outside of that, those are our international commitment. Information from the MRV has been used largely nationally for national commitment. For example, to inform our national Red Plus strategy, 
The information has also been used to inform our reference and emission level, which was also reported to the UNFCCC. The information is also um, used to form key components in our local legislation, for example, the revision of our national forest policy and our national forest plan, the decision taken at governmental level in terms of moving towards more sustainable forest management as well as conservation and enhancement of forest carbon stock. The information has also been used to inform what Guyana has referred to as the Green State Development Strategy. This is a national strategy or framework that was intended to govern the country's pathway to a green economy from 2020 to 2040. So information from the MRV is going to be used to inform those strategies. Also, the MRV information nationally is being used to determine land allocation. As you are aware, in 2015, Guyana has discovered a um, large deposit of oil and gas offshore. And in 2019, it began extracting those resources. As a result of that extraction, development has now become largely a focus on our agenda. And a lot of our areas are now being allocated for various developmental projects and programs. This will indeed affect our forests, but not very largely because the uh, majority of the area that is earmarked for the development of these activities for the oil and gas sector are area that were already earmarked for urban settlements as well as agricultural areas. So the MRV in Guyana has been very, very helpful. As a result of that, the country has been remapped and our boundaries have now been redefined after, um, after many, many years to actually work as a baseline in terms of tracking our changes in both deforestation and forest degradation. Also coming out of the MRV is one important component whereby we have established ground work and collected ground data on the forest inventory. And that information has been used to develop country specific emission factors. Over the years and through the MRV, we have managed to develop emission factors for mining degradation, deforestation, for shifting cultivation. And more recently, we have managed to revise the allometric model that we were using to evaluate our carbon stock. And I think this is where the work that we've been doing with um, the University of Wyoming comes into place. Because when we started, the research cost was humongous. And um, we decided that rather than to develop a whole new equation to determine our carbon stock in Guyana, we were going to test the existing ones. When we did that, the testing was also costly, but 
it proved to us that there was one that was a good fit to Guyana, which was the Chave 2005 allometric model. Then over the year, we decided to add some more destructive sampling trees to evaluate and re-evaluate whether that model is still the same, especially after Chave had revised his model and he had a new one in 2014. At the same time, we had just started to explore the terrestrial LIDAR system with the university to see whether we can derive new allometric model without having to cut or destructively sample tree. Okay, thank you, Hans. I will get back to you. But now I have to move along to Martin. Martin, as Hans mentioned before, you and your team are working on um, ways to measure a tree using a laser scanner. Can you explain to us uh, what is this technology and how the technology could help countries to monitor their forest? Yeah, thank you. Um, I think Hans gave already a very good introduction eh, on the work and uh, also on the great progress that Guyana has made over the years in developing capacities to monitor their forests nationally. And uh, in particular, when you want to do forest monitoring related to carbon stocks, you need also good ways of really estimating these carbon stocks. And as part of this, the use of allometric models is actually quite important. And so Guyana has already used, for example, specularly using satellite data to really measure uh, and monitor the forest area and forest area changes. And then to dive into more particular our work with the with the laser scanner, uh, it's really related to this allometric model. So it's allometric models are really used to convert measurements of trees, for example, of a diameter at pressed height or height or some ground dimensions, for example, into biomass and carbon. And to develop these allometric models, it's actually quite tedious to do that because traditionally what you would have to do is to cut a tree and basically measure it very detailed uh, and weigh it actually to get the biomass on the on the point you have to do that, do that for a relatively large number of trees to get a good allometric model for a country and that's why many tropical countries are using these pantropical models that develop based on a lot of harvested trees um, but for example in the uh, in the allometric model that Guyana used pantropical model there was not a single tree from Guyana actually in that in that model so I think that's where the motivation come from. Let's also um, uh, use um, well Guiana data and get the Guiana owned allometric model and develop that. Uh, but how could we get around in in cutting and and measuring a lot of trees? Uh, and that's where the laser scanner came in. So instead of actually cutting trees, we would scan them, huh? and we would based on this laser scanning, you get a 3D model of a tree and you can estimate from that, you can measure all the parameters you need to actually develop these allometric models and you can quickly scan a lot of trees. And uh, so the work and the, uh, the effort that's needed to measure a lot of, lot of trees without cutting them is much, much less than if you'd really go in the field and, and just destructively harvest. So that's where that came in. And we found out at the end that the model uh, that Guiana has been using is also working quite well based on that. But now it's actually proven with national data. As uh, Hans was saying, it's uh, it's now a, a country-owned uh, allometric model and it can prove that it really works well for Guiana trees, which before it wasn't possible. And just imagine you would have gotten that conclusion with the same way, but just cutting a lot of, lot of trees. So I think that was a good way of an efficient use of technology. And so at the end, it was a fruitful collaboration. It was interesting for us because we were interested to see how these new technologies can work 
in the, uh, tropical country contexts like Guyana. Uh, I think Guyana was the first country that has really developed uh, or let's say refined their allometric model based on that. And it's a good model also for other countries yeah, to look into that. Suriname is already looking into that, but also other countries in Africa are doing that who are also now uh, making use of the technologies. So it's a great example of a fruitful collaboration where new technologies can really help to improve country level estimation. And one interesting side effect is, in fact, that the IPCC good practice guidelines, which are basically countries have to use to estimate and report their for the national greenhouse gas forest inventories. In the latest update of that in 2019, there was a specific mention of the use of these terrestrial laser technology for improving allometric models. But in that moment, when that was written, it said, yes, it's a technology that is there, but we have not really seen a lot of demonstration and uptake in developing countries. Uh, in tropical countries. And now I think we have a case where this is actually successfully done. And it's always nice to have really collaboration between, you know, certain experts and do that together with the experts of the forest actually in these countries. And that collaboration, I think, is very fruitful. And it's uh, very nice that it has worked out that way for Guyana. Great to know that. So now that IPCC mentioned this, does it mean uh, many more countries can also apply this technology in their forest monitoring system? So the IPCC basically just gives guidance. Right? It gives you gives some some hints on what are suitable methods to acquire data, and that's where the this technology is mentioned, and and it's used. But of course, what often is helping uh, other countries to learn about these things if it's really already implemented and used in a country context. So the IPCC provides the guidance, but I think what the study with Guyana showed that it can actually be put in practice and it can really be a useful tool for national scale estimation. And as I said, other countries are also starting to follow that, that path. Thank you, Martin. So um, I'm going back to Hans now. Based on this experience of dream monitoring in Guyana for um, approximately 10 years, what are the lessons learned that you can share that may help other countries who want to apply similar methods for their forest monitoring? Um, one good example would be our satellite image and data source that has been used for mapping deforestation, forest degradation. Initially, when Guyana started in 2010, because that's the first year we actually mapped, we were using Landsat imagery. And we were, while we were able to accurately map deforestation, degradation was not so well done. So Guyana thought that one of the best approach would be to invest in some high resolution imagery. So in 2013 and 2014, we invested in acquiring wall-to-wall -wall imagery of rapid eye for the entire country, hoping that it would help us to accurately map degradation in our forests, especially since a large portion of our forest is subjected to sustainable forest management. What we found out in a very expensive way, because those imagery was very costly, was that we were still able to map deforestation accurately. We maintained that accuracy of over 95%, and we still couldn't accurately map degradation. So the lesson learned there was that we spent a lot to acquire those imagery, but yet it did not answer our question. So that informed a national decision to revert to open source imagery at which time Sentinel came on stream 
and Sentinel was also good for mapping these um, changes. So one of the lessons that we learn is that while a product might be expensive, it does not always um, answer the question that we want to get answered to. We ended up using another activity data as our baseline to determine our deforestation. Our degradation, sorry, and deforestation, we remain mapping the deforestation using open source imagery. And that is a lesson that many countries can learn that, you know, now that we have had the experience that we have tried those very high resolution imagery, it, start, it still has limitations. And it's a lesson that we learn and other countries can learn from that. I, I certainly know that Suriname has learned from that. And it is something that they will be um, looking into probably following suit with Guyana and stick to using the Sentinel imagery. Also, before I close, I'd like to say that we have recently had two more publications done in the Forest um, Journal. And one of them is accounting for greenhouse gas emission from forest edge degradation. And this is gold mining in Guyana. And the other is a comprehensive accounting for Red Plus programs, which is an, a pragmatic approach as was done in Guyana. It's something that really summarizes what we have been doing as it relates to Red Plus and its accounting in Guyana for the past close to 10 years. Thank you, Hans. And now is my last question. What you shared before is one of the exemplary partnership, if I may say, between academic and scientific community and government and the policymakers. So um, I will go first to Martin. What is important to make this partnership between academics and government work? Yeah, I think it's a good question because, I mean, as I say, research is moving. We see a lot of research being done also, let's say, on tropical carbon monitoring, earth observation, providing a lot of new data sources. I think what's important, we really want to make this kind of technology use for country context is to really work with the countries, address real issues and gaps that the country has, and really get them involved. So at the end, you end up with something that is at the ownership of the country. I think that's really important. And if there is these kind of put things in the put in the right place, then something like that can be um, basically a valuable contribution. So I think that's nice. Guyana has, and it also takes a certain level of openness from the country and from the country partners, such as the Guyana Forest Commission, to be interested in these kind of research. So to be open also for new developments, understanding where gaps are where things can be improved, where new opportunities are there, but also being able to judge which opportunities really make sense and which are just nice to know and interesting research, And but there's no need really to adapt a national system uh, that is actually working quite, quite well. Thank you, Martin. Great points from you. Now, lastly, Hans, same question with Martin. Based on this partnership, what makes this um, collaboration between academics and the government or the policymakers work? So um, as Martin said, the collaboration between the university and the Guyana Forestry Commission, which is a government um, organization, by the way, was really good. It establishes how academic and scientific communities come together to answer these really hard and tough questions by pooling resources. It also, at the same time, allows for capacity building 
on both sides, as well as it's a win-win situation whereby in our case, we were able to have a product to determine our policy decisions and our way forward, next steps. And the university, through its collaboration and the student, they are allowed to have their research done, get their work published, you know, gain academic points, etc. So it's a great collaboration and it's something that I look forward to continue having with the university as we move forward into the future. In not just this area, but maybe in additional areas. Thank you, Hans. We look forward for more partnerships between academics and policymakers like this, and I hope more uh, countries also do the same like Guyana. So that's all for today. Thank you again, Hans and Martin, for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe on the link provided. See you on the next episodes. Bye.